Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ravelin Fraud Academy podcast. For this week's episode, we traveled to the KPMG offices to have a chat with George Quigley, who is a partner in KPMG's cybersecurity practice. George has been working in information security for over 20 years, originally starting in retail management designing systems. It was in the retail space that he realized the challenges businesses face in securing their systems and protecting their data from exploitation. George joins Jerry to chat through the current threatscape, revealing what trends he is seeing in cybersecurity and detailing what businesses should do if they find themselves under attack. Welcome to this week's uh, Fraud Podcast. We're delighted to be in the um, very impressive surroundings of KPMG, Canary Wharf. Uh, We're here with George. Um, And George, we're going to take a slightly different tack in this one. And look, we usually look at payment fraud and how to protect for chargebacks. But in this podcast, I think it'd be great to get your experience of um, what a company should be thinking of in terms of protecting their data, protecting themselves from cyber attack, from these hacking attacks uh, that we see. Um, I wanted to talk to the sort of threatscape generally. What does it look like? What sort of threats are out there? How organized are they? How big are they? How concerning are they? No, absolutely. And and chargebacks is is and continues to be a big issue. But you're right to say that it's one of a number of issues. So if you start with the overall risk landscape, I think you need to start with an understanding of who the threat actors are in the environment that we that we play in. And I think if you're a medium-sized enterprise, you might look at the newspapers and you'll see lots of issues going on. Generally tends to be government-driven or it's big banks or big financial institutions that are getting hit. And actually what we see is something different. So we see a number of threat actors that start with serious and organized crime, right. go down to less serious and organized crime. Uh, insiders within organizations are also part of the issue that we see. We see certain clients having problems with hacktivists, mm-hmm. and we see certain clients having problems with competitors. And the interesting thing when you go through that landscape is that most of those players use the same techniques and they're after similar things. So what we are starting to see is we are starting to see more demand from the criminals to get access to credit cards, is an ongoing issue, will yeah. always be an ongoing issue, and they'll look to exploit the weaknesses that are there in client systems and how that data is stored and managed and controlled. They'll try and use those credit cards, they'll try and get services delivered that they have no right to, and then leave the retailer with the chargeback. Right. But we're also seeing challenges around taking that data set and then going back to companies and saying, we have all this data yeah. on your clients, on your customers, Perhaps it includes credit cards, perhaps not, but generally speaking, it will contain an awful lot of sensitive information and we'll sell it back to you. So you can buy it from us, because if you don't buy it from us, guess what, we'll just release it into the wild. Is is that the more common uh, scenario than taking them and trying to sell them, trying to sell them back to the person who owns them is the most? Or is that where they start and if they say no, they're going to do something else? That's where they're starting. Yeah. Right. In some cases, you see them start there, get some money from somebody, and then they go on and sell it on the the dark web or the deep web anyway. Yeah. So you have to be a little bit careful about what you're doing with these actors. But that's certainly one thing. So what you're seeing is extortion is another kind of form of fraud going on in the background. You see a lot of extortion going on at the current time. Yeah. Depending on the size of the organization and the type of information, some of those extortion demands get quite uh, expensive. Right. So it's not uncommon to see them coming in at <coughs> half a million pounds. And I think the, the, re- the demand is at half a million pounds. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I think the reason that the demand is set at half a million pounds is that if you look at the current uh, Data Protection Act, the maximum fine is okay. half a million pounds. 
So if that goes up, which is likely to, yes. you'd like to see it to be two million pounds or four yes. percent of your. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. And so when you look at this, actually, what you're looking at, and everybody on this podcast should be thinking about, is what you've got here is a series of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not legal, they're not ethical, absolutely not ethical, but they are entrepreneurs who are trying to maximise the value that they can generate for themselves while minimising their risk. And at serious and organised crime level, they've discovered that cybercrime, in all its various different guises, is a great way to de-risk the challenges that they face. So if you're doing drug trafficking or people trafficking, yes, it can be highly lucrative, but actually these days it can be disrupted relatively easily, Mm -hmm. in inverted commas. Whereas with cybercrime, I can make an awful lot of money. It's really hard to actually disrupt what's going on and it's really hard for law enforcement to find me so it's a scary world out there these are these yes. are bad actors acting yes. badly uh, I just want to uh, it's not going to I'm, I'm a CIO I'm a chief information officer I'm a data controller in a, in a medium-sized organization or a small how do I how do I know I'm under attack are there telltale signs that I can look out for are there sort of easy not easy but are there like good tips and advice that you could give to someone who's Who's wondering whether I'm under attack until, you know, they want, they want to see something before the actual, you know, threat lever, letter arrives. Yes. But, you know, what can they look for there? Some real challenges there. Some right. real challenges because we don't see the data that flows. So some of the challenges we have in our, in our risk framework that we talk about, we talk about the issue of incomplete picture. Yeah. So nobody sees the big picture. And that's at two <clears> levels. <throat> that's one of what's happening across the market as a whole. But the second one is what's happening across our networks. Yeah. Do we know, for instance, what normal traffic looks like? Because if we do, then we'd be able to say, actually, something doesn't look quite right. Yeah. And there's been various different guises out there, um, intrusion detection, intrusion prevention systems, SIEM solutions, so security incident and event management solutions. Most of those, though, are quite heavy. And what yeah. I mean by heavy is they take a lot of management, they take a lot of time, and they are generally very expensive solutions. And so people, in, in your case, wouldn't necessarily bother with implementing yeah. them. There are some new solutions coming out that are hitting the marketplace that are built around machine learning mm-hmm. that won't necessarily give you real-time blocking and real-time alerting, although they can do, yeah. uh, but certainly will improve the scenario. Because if you look at an attack pattern, you will generally find that there's a period of time, whether it's 12, 16, 18 months, where somebody's been actually actively looking at you, looking at your infrastructure, looking at your network, probing and seeing what they can do. What, what type of businesses um, or what sectors do you think are most likely to be vulnerable? Or is it any sector? Uh, we used or, to do or any sector with, with, with what? With personal identifiable information or, or with credit card information? I mean, what, what, what's that golden data they're looking for? Now, I'm, I'm smiling a little bit there because we had a slide. When I first started here, we had a slide with industries being targeted and we had the defense industry and we had government and we had a few others uh, we've scrapped that slide okay and if we had a slide today it would be a blank one and it would say who's not being targeted and yeah. it would be blank because be a mirror <laughs> exactly yeah. we're seeing it coming from everywhere so right. Gary if you've got money mm-hmm. or if they think you've got money or if they think you've got something of interest because the other thing that's starting to come out now is that these guys are targeting organizations for information that they'll then link to information in other places so that okay. they can then use other more sophisticated frauds elsewhere. So mandate fraud. So this is the frauds where people are setting up 
bank accounts in people's names, getting mortgages in their names, yeah. those kind of things. So sometimes they're just after harvesting information which may not directly affect you, mm -hmm. but will affect somebody that you deal with. So there's layers of sophistication here. But what I would say to, to all of our clients is that this isn't a problem that you can't solve. It definitely is something that you can solve. Yeah. You have to do it in a proportional way and you have to do it in an approach that makes sense. And one of the things that we are talking to clients about continually is the concept of the crown jewels in the organization. Right. Okay. I'm guessing, and evidence would, would bear me out on this, of all the client work that we've done, that you don't need to protect absolutely everything you've got in your organization to the highest level. Yeah. But there are certain things that you should. And I think that's where the big gap comes in. Because I think, back to your question about what should I do, I think first and foremost, people go, this is just too big a problem. I can't get my head around it. I don't understand. Therefore, I'll just kind of carry on and, and hope that nothing happens. Easy approach. Yeah. I think become more proactive and say, actually, let's just look at what we do. Let's just look at what's critical to us. And let's focus in on that first and foremost. And what will happen is you'll shrink what you need to protect. Mm -hmm. You'll then be able to assess who might want that data. And then you can think, what's the tools and the techniques and practices that they might use? And then how would you then, what are the gaps that you've got in your current controls? And then how would you then implement those? So if you looked back to your, you know, to the stuff that Ravelin do, it's the same approach, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, chargebacks are becoming a, uh, an issue just generally, and they have always been an issue. Sure. But if you're starting to see that that issue is, is either running at a level that you don't like or is running at a level that's increasing, then that's perhaps one of your crown jewels because that's money that's just walking out the door. Yeah. You then say, okay, well, who's doing this? Well, loads of different actors will be doing it. And they're obviously being quite successful because mm -hmm. you're getting those chargebacks. So there's a gap somewhere in your control environment. Put a control in place to mitigate it. Just, just taking it back to the sort of practical advice, what, what do you recommend to clients? What would you recommend to a theoretical client? If they get this email threat, uh, they get this blackmail email, they get this you know, request for £500,000 to get their data back. Um, I mean, what should they do? And critically, what should they not do? How should they not go seek to compound their error? So the first thing they should do is call me. <laughs> so okay. my fees will be much less than £500,000. <laughs> but no, no, so the first thing to do is stop. Okay, stop what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, don't panic, but reach out to some specialist. Get some specialist advice. Right. Now, a lot of people will immediately go to their lawyers, and that's probably not a bad place to go. Yeah. But the point with lawyers is that lawyers generally will then delve into the legal side of this, when actually what you want to understand is, actually, have I had a compromise? Where has it come from? Mm -hmm. Does it appear to be verifiable? And do I really have a problem? And yeah. once you've got that, then you can start to engage with the legal teams. The one thing that I would suggest you don't do is ignore it. Okay. Because we've seen clients that just ignore it. Yeah. So you ignore the first one and think it's a hoax. Very shortly after the first one, you'll get a second one. If you ignore that, you'll get a third one, mm -hmm. which will have some fairly detailed information attached to it to prove that what they've got. And if you still ignore it, then it will hit the marketplace in various different ways. So I wouldn't ignore it, but I would reach out, get somebody to come and have a look at what the demand is, have a look at what they suggest they've got, 
start to have a look at whether that appears to be reasonable or not. Yeah. And that will depend on what technologies you've deployed and what logging you've got to be able to ascertain whether they've got it and then reach out to legal advice. So it's like a summary of advice is don't ignore it before it happens and then don't ignore it when it does happen. Exactly. So this is going to happen and you need to, or at least, you know, you've got a bit of threat of it happening, you need to have a, a plan in place. Mm. Okay, that sounds like good advice. Um, I think our um, listeners will be interested in how KPMG, I mean, what services do you offer in this space? So we have, as you'd expect from a big four consulting practice services across most of cyber, through from that threat and risk assessment right at the front through to what we call the detailed red team testing, which is a team that will purpose on purpose break into your systems okay. to see how vulnerable you are. Yeah. But the backbone of this is you've got to start somewhere. I think a lot of people will go and have a pen test done and say, we're fine, we need to move on. I'd go back to, to what I said a little while ago, which is start by thinking, what do I want to protect? Yeah. From whom? And does my current control framework match that? And if not, then I've got a series of gaps and I need a roadmap. Mm -hmm. to fill those gaps in and we can help you and we help clients across all of that journey now when you get into the roadmap we will interface with others in certain circumstances to deliver stuff that we don't have we do work with third parties to implement technologies that might solve a problem for you um, but that's generally the approach that I would suggest that you start with understand what you want to protect from whom where your gaps are and then start to fix them Okay, um, George, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes from the Ravelin Fraud Academy podcast, just head over to ravelin.com forward slash podcast. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcast apps so you never miss an episode.